What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Training Madness. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what's happening? Not much, John. I'm going to the Illinois game later today. We're recording this early Sunday morning. How are you? I'm doing good. I've got finals coming up, coming up after this. Not too excited for that. But what I am excited for is to talk about college basketball for the next half an hour or so. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, but before we get into that, real quickly, we got to plug our socials. Ethan, what's happening on our Instagram, our Twitter, our YouTube, and potentially even a TikTok? What's happening on all those? All up on our Instagram, at underscore creating madness. We're having a lot of fun. We have our group chat. We have our polls that we post every Sunday, which we will be posting just after we record this episode, as well as our Twitter, at ATR Madness, where we do Twitter spaces. We try and get y'all to join, post the polls as well and just tweet anytime there's a good college basketball stuff going on and for our youtube creating madness post our streams a lot of fun we try and stream at least once a week hopefully john can get on during march madness yeah i won't be getting on i won't be doing anything social media wise next four days but after that i'm good for the whole tournament mexico i'm a busy guy okay um yeah so i got finals for the next four days and then i get back for a few days and i'm off to mexico with my friends so it's been uh it's been it's gonna be it's gonna be hectic but we're gonna figure it out that's for sure um ethan's gonna be streaming like a madman and then when i can get back i will be also streaming like a madman we're gonna be trying getting as much content out to you guys because this is this is what the point of the show is creating madness march madness man come on uh so we're going to be doing all that, but stay tuned. But in the meantime, let's talk about this episode because I'm really excited to get into this. So as we do, we always start out talking about our last week's games of the week. And we have five really good games for you guys. So, Ethan, what happened in the Providence versus Illinois game? Well, first half, the Wildcats of Villanova dominated 40-26 to 26 was the score at the end of the first half. Then, you know, Providence, they got a nice little pep talk in that locker room. They stormed back to eventually, sadly for them, lose by two. 76-74, Villanova wins. Moore, Gillespie, Dixon all had 13, 14, and 15 points. Not very efficient shooting, but whatever. And then something that's very interesting. Caleb Daniels off the bench. 20 points. A very good game for him. For the Friars, the huge problem was got to be turnovers. I mean... You have people like Bynum, Reeves, and Watson all getting four turnovers themselves. Or, correction, Bynum getting four, and then Reeves and Watson combined for four themselves. So, can't the- have your three best players with that many turnovers if you want to win. Exactly. But moving into our next game, I'm really not looking forward to talking about this, but I got to do it anyways. My Longhorns played against the Baylor Bears in our final game in our current stadium, the uh, Frank Irwin Center. Had a lot of good memories in there, especially since my whole childhood in there. And uh, we ended up losing, which was in typical Texas men's basketball fashion. Um, Baylor's a very good team, though, so I'm not too irritated. But Baylor came in there. Uh, they had guys like James Jinko and Adam Flagler, combining the 19 points uh, each. Or not, not that combining, they each had 19 points. Um, you also have guys like Matthew Meyer. Oh wait, he didn't do anything. He had two points, so forget about him. He, he's he's the most overrated player in college basketball. Maybe he's just not that good. But 
they had other guys that actually go like Kendall Brown, who had 13 points, and Phil Samba, who had 12 points. And every single one of these guys, including Matthew Meyer, played out of their minds on defense. And they held Texas some really inefficient shooting, which we'll talk about right now. Texas decided to uh, shoot 40% from the field this game and 17% from three, which was really fun to watch. Marcus Carr had a good game, though. He had, he had 13 points on efficient shooting, as well as Christian Bishop. He also had 13 points on efficient shooting. He also got a double-double, so good job, Christian. But the rest of this team decided just not to do anything. Let's start off on the bench. Our supposed sniper, Jace Fabris, went 1 of 6 from 3. Then you have Andrew Jones, 0 of 7 from 3, 3 of 10 from the field, 6 points. Courtney Ramey, our big-time shot maker, big-time shot taker, 2 of 10 from the field, 6 points. Timmy Allen, he's had, some, he's had some really, really good games this season, so I'm not too irritated at him, but he had 10 points on 3 of 9 shooting. What are, what are we doing? What are we doing? If we want to win these big-time games, we can't have three of our best players shoot like they're in middle school. It was really annoying to watch this team because we had so many great looks. And Baylor's a great defensive team. Do not get me wrong. So there were some times where we had a few guys throwing up bad shots with the shot clock winding down. But there are other times where we just couldn't get a bucket. These three were in large part to why that was happening. But that's fine. We'll move on to our next game. I don't want to get too irritated. Ethan, what happened in the UCLA versus USC game? Well, aside from the first five minutes where it was a little bit back and forth, UCLA dominated in the sense of they rarely ever, if they did, lose their lead. 75-68, the Bruins beat the Trojans as Jaime Hoskins, 10-16 shooting, 27 points. He's playing injured, by the way. Just to let everyone know, yep. he's been playing injured for a while. Jules Bernard, 6 of 11 shooting, 19 points. Johnny Juzang off the bench, although he did play 32 minutes, 8 points. And this team shot just 11 threes, although they only made three of them. They're moving away from the, or they have moved away from the let's play, I want to be Stephen Curry ball. As they, something that's very unique. As you, me and you have talked, this UCLA team can get a bit risky with their passes. One turnover this entire game. They played some very clean basketball. And USC with 13 turnovers, not like an absurd amount, but definitely not the amount you want to have, especially when the other team had one-thirteenth of the turnovers that you did. It's going to get math there, Ethan. Thank you. I'm, I'm majoring in math next year. Majoring in math. Um, yeah, but... Uh... Overall, if you want to win basketball games, try to have the least amount of turnovers possible and make the most amount of shots. That's just some pretty good advice from a basketball player. But moving on to our next game, uh, we're going to be going in-depth about it a little bit. We have Wisconsin versus Purdue. Uh, this was a game that was really close. In fact, Wisconsin decided to storm the court after that one, so tells you how much the fan base was into it. But I think players on both sides played really good games. Zach Eadie, 17 points on efficient shooting and almost had a double-double, proving, again, why he should be starting in this lineup. Jaden Ivey, doing what Jaden Ivey does. 8-15 shooting, 3-7 from 3, 22 points. But I think the only thing that held him back, which is actually what really lost in the game, was his free-throw shooting. Purdue lost by three points. 
Jaden Ivey went three of nine from the free throw line. Jaden Ivey makes four free throws. Simple math, right? Uh, so he had a great game. He really did. He also had five assists, didn't have any turnovers, uh, and he played great on offense and defense, but you got to make more free throws than that because free throws can really bite you in the butt. But other guys like Stefan Sinovich had a good 11 points, and others, I don't know, Caleb first had some solid minutes on defense. Uh, but this team kind of played a really strong, small rotation. By the way, Trayvon Williams, what are we doing, man? You're an All-American candidate last year, and I think second team, All-Big Ten, or maybe even first team, but he had six points on two of eight shooting, which uh, if he had done better, they also would have won the game. But it's fine because Wisconsin had a few guys step up. First of all, Johnny Davis doing Johnny Davis things, five, to, five of 12 shooting, six of, six of six from the free throw line for 16 points. Very, very, very efficient basketball. Next up, you have – Excuse me, you have Tyler Wall, 19 points on efficient shooting. He's been playing great to end the season. Um, he's been having a lot of big games, as we've been seeing uh, on the show, whenever we cover Wisconsin. So shout-out to Tyler Wall. He's been having a really, really good season. Brad Davidson didn't even have that many points, but he made so many good defensive plays that he gets a pass because he's just kind of this team's energy guy, and he has a tendency to pick it up when, you know, it really counts. Finally, uh, you got other guys. Like Chucky Hepburn, fresh game winning three, game winning three. I was gonna get to that. Seventeen points on five of thirteen shooting. Now, if on the surface it doesn't look too good, but when you remember this guy's a freshman and he hit the game winning three, and then they start on the court after, makes for a pretty good story. Chucky Hepburn got the start and he decided to go ballistic in this game. So, shout out to him. Uh, overall, this Wisconsin team had a good game. So did Purdue, but a few key mistakes for Purdue lost in the game, and Wisconsin took advantage. And finally, for last week's games of the week, Ethan, what happened in the Tennessee versus Arkansas game? Because this game started out like we weren't even going to talk about it much, but then it ended with a really good game. So what happened? Well, in the first half, it looked like Arkansas's last win over Tennessee maybe got to their head a little bit as Tennessee – in the first half, they probably took the pig of Arkansas, stuck it on a stick, and roasted it over the fire. <laughs> Second half, the Razorbacks bounced back, and they played great on defense, but it wasn't enough. They were coming back. I know, John, you were rooting for that comeback, but 78-74, the Volunteers of Tennessee beat the Razorbacks as J.D. Note shoots horrendously 6-20 of 20 for the Razorbacks, but a huge part of this entire season is going to be for the Volunteers, Josiah Jordan-James, Muscovy, Kennedy Chandler. These three ball handlers, having if you're able to have three guys that you're able to trust taking up the ball, that's going to get you wins. This Tennessee team is going to be deadly in March. For sure. And overall... It also helps when Tennessee shoots twelve of eighteen from the three point line. That probably helps a lot. That probably helps a little too. So it's a bit efficient, you ask me. Yep. Although both of these teams turn over seventeen for Tennessee, fourteen for Arkansas. Not the best, but live and learn. You live and you learn. Uh, Tennessee didn't have to learn much though. Pretty good win for them. Uh, let's get into our surprise games though, because we have we have a few 
and these games came out of left field as they are surprise games, but these some of these games are just absolutely ridiculous. First of all, we had Nebraska versus Ohio State. Ethan, you might give me a quick recap of that one. You know, there's not many days where you can be a very happy person when Nebraska wins a sporting thing. For me, this was one of those days. Bryce McGowan shoots 8 of 15. Alonzo Verge has, adds 13 points. And then you add Wilcher off the bench with 15. Buckeyes, EJ Liddell, Miles Branham, both shot okay, 27, 16 points apiece. But no one else stepped up. When you have Jimmy Sotos as your third leading scorer, there might be a problem. Just maybe. Just maybe. But huge credits in Nebraska. Shot the ball well. Only four turnovers on the day for the Cornhuskers as they got their ninth win. <sighs> wow. Yeah. If, I know uh, before the season, my two of my Big Ten predictions were pretty far off. This Nebraska team might have a decent future if they can continue getting guys like Bryce McGowan's. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Um, Next up, first prize games of the week. Uh, Kansas had back-to-back games versus TCU in the span of two days, but in the first game of those, TCU just decided to choose violence, and they played in Fort Worth, and TCU won by double digits. So, I don't really know what happened to Ojai Baji. Maybe he had a really bad stomach flu because of the barbecue in Fort Worth, but he had a 4-17 shooting performance. Christian Braun played, like, Horrible. I don't even know how to say it. There's no, there's no comparison. Four of eleven shooting for ten points. He really didn't do much. Um, Dewan Harris, zero for three in twenty six minutes for zero points. Jalen Wilson was the only person on this team that was playing actual basketball. He had thirteen points on decent shooting. But TCU, what much more? What, what much more can you ask out of this team? Mike Miles Jr., nineteen points on six of fourteen shooting. He's their star player, and he's getting it done on the biggest stage. And he performed really well in this game, not only on offense, but he also played very well on defense, holding Ojai Baji to that level of shooting. You also had guys like Emmanuel Miller stepping up. He contributed with 11 points. And um, you also got guys like Damian Baugh. He had 11 points. But the star of the show was Mike Miles Jr., and he went crazy in the biggest stage. They ended up losing to Kansas by four points only the two days later, but... You know, that's not necessarily a surprise that they lost. But moving on to our next game, we have Texas A&M versus Alabama. Texas A&M beat the most inconsistent team in college basketball, which honestly shouldn't really be a surprise at this rate. But Bama was ranked. So, Ethan, what happened here? Well, Quentin Jackson and Tyrese Radford happened. They combined for 50 of Texas A&M's 87 points. And then you added Henry Coleman lands there, also adding 18 so 68 of the 87 points came from three starters. And as for Alabama, Shackelford, 4 of 12 from the field, 16 points. Keontae Ellis, 5 of 8, 13 points. Okay, J.D. Davidson, 3 of 7, 6 points. Adiaco, 4 of 5, 8 points. Quinterly off the bench, 14 points, 5 of 11 shooting. This team has so much talent on it that just doesn't get the job done done sometimes. 
And, like, credit to the Aggies here. They shot phenomenal, 57 from the field, 44 from three, 93 from free throw. They forced 19 turnovers. They won the rebound battle. But overall, Alabama can't play sloppy. Come tournament time, I want to know who they're playing against. I got to see the, how they match up. Is this is going to be a team that you can't have going past the Sweet 16 because you're not sure if they're going to make the Final Four or if they're going to get out in the first round. Or at this rate, if they made the tournament. I mean, they are, but, like, this team just has a tendency to lose to the worst teams and beat the best teams. Yeah. Like, you never know with them. Uh, We're not going to go into this real quick, but Bellarmine did beat Liberty yesterday in the A-Sun tournament. Bellarmine plays... Jacksonville State, I believe. I'm not exactly sure who they play today. I will check that out. But even if they do manage to win their conference tournament, what's really sad is that we will not be see- – yeah, oh, my God, they're playing Jacksonville for the tournament. Not Jacksonville State, but they cannot man- – they are not able to make the tournament because they're still within the first four years of transitioning to the NCAA Division One level. We're seeing a team that's transitioning from a lower division, not lower conference, a lower division, and is in the conference championship. So wait, does Jacksonville automatically go to the tournament? I'm confused. Yeah, ja- yeah, no, Jacksonville can forfeit this game, and they're making it to the tournament. That's insane. Congratulations to Bellarmine, but that was a really cool story. Anyways, let's move on to our next surprise game. We got Creighton versus UConn real quickly. Um. This isn't necessarily the biggest surprise. I mean, UConn is ranked 18, and Creighton is an unranked team, but Creighton still managed to get the dub. Um, one thing I really want to talk about, though, is Tyrese Martin's shot volume. He shot very efficiently. He shot shot 5-7 to seven from the field for 11 points, but why is he only taking seven shots in this game? Andre Jackson went 2-9 of nine from the field for five points. I mean, everyone has off games. Isaiah Willey, 1-6 for six for three points. Those two combined for 3-15 of 15 shooting for eight points, but... When you're Tyrese Martin and you're supposed to be this team's other offensive threat, you got RJ Cole, who had a very good game. He went 9 of 20 from the field for 20 points. He also had four assists to one turnover, so congratulations to him. But why is why is Tyrese Martin only shooting seven shots? That doesn't really make sense to me. Why are you supposed to be the second-best player on this team and get yours every single night, and then you take that little shot? So that just really confused me when I saw this. But as for Creighton, hats off to the Ryans, Ryan Hawkins and Ryan Kalkbrenner. Kalkbrenner went for 22, and Hawkins went for 13, and both shot very efficiently. Also, Arthur Kalkuma, Kaluma, Kaluma, can't really read that. He had 15 points on 6 of 13 shooting, along with going 3 of 5 for the three-point line. So, he had, those three had great games. Alex O'Connell, he's had his great games in the past. He only had one of, he only had two points on one of three shooting in 34 minutes. Last but not least, you got Trey Alexander. He had eight points on 3 of 6 shooting, but he plays some great defense, so Overall, this team really, really played well, um, their biggest three. Uh, and this honestly, this is a Creighton team that if they play well, they can beat a lot of teams. I know we say that about a fair amount of teams, but Creighton has some guys like the the combo with the Ryans, Ryan Hawkins and Ryan Kalkbrenner, along with Arthur Kaluma. And when Alex O'Connell's hot, he's not really missing much. So I like this Creighton team a lot, actually. But uh, yeah, they got the up against UConn, so hats off to them. Uh, next up, we got North Carolina versus Duke. Ethan, covered you. You watched this game. I mean, everyone was watching this game. What happened? Well, 
I want to say this right now. I'm not sure how to feel about Coach K losing his last game ever at home. Because obviously, you want everyone to go out on top, having that great feeling. Obviously, it's not his last game coaching of his career, but odds are he's going to lose that too. Just because large band is so unpredictable. But I'm not sure how to feel. I mean, Ben Caro shot for the entire team shot relatively well overall. But Ben Carroll, 11 of 26. 23 points is great, but it's not the... You need to... 26 shots? Uh, yeah. Oh, my. Mark Williams had 8 of 11 shooting, 16 points. Great. Wendell Moore, he did his playmaking role. AJ Griffin did not get shots. I understand that he was being tightly guarded, but, like, come on. Jeremy Roach off the bench, 15 points. Great. As for the Tar Heels, Brady Manick, Caleb Love, Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. 20 points, 22 points, 23 points, 21 points. The team shot 49% from the field. Both teams did, but wow. Four players scoring in the 20s. Only Caleb Love did it on inefficient shooting, 4-17, but he had 12 free throws. He made all 12 of them. This UNC team played like they wanted revenge. I believe the line was set at 11 and a half. I think I saw Bleacher Report like notification say, 86% of the money in the world is on Duke to cover this on Coach K's final game. Imagine owning a casino <laughs> and taking all those bets. Oh my God. Must be even richer than ever now. Is Duke, I don't want to say their players choked it away, but like, I couldn't believe brother, the brotherhood. Come on. <laughs> also, what's your thought? I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter saying it was really selfish of Coach K to s- announce his retirement before the season, saying that like he was making the season all about him, not about Duke basketball. What's your thought on that? Because I'm not sure how to feel. To be honest, he's the second greatest college basketball coach of all time. So I really don't care what anybody has to say if, in terms of its selfishness. He, he's been with this program for 43 years, I think. He built it for nothing. They, I don't think they had had a national championship appearance before he showed up. And now he produced the greatest, I mean, I hate to say brotherhood, but the, the best and greatest brotherhood of players that have came out of the sport. So, yeah, it might be a little bit selfish. And, yeah, this season might be all about him, but I don't think the players are complaining because they get more TV time. I don't think he's complaining because he's more TV time. I don't think the Duke program is complaining because he's more TV hey, time. I mean, I'm complaining except for you. I need to sit through all those ceremonies after he lost. Yeah, that sounds horrible, paying that much money to see that. But I, I really can't stand the couch warriors having to get their opinion on it because, I mean, nobody cares what you have to say. You're, you're on Twitter for a reason, buddy. You're not you're not actually talking on TV. But moving on to our next game, we got LSU versus Alabama. This one, this one was a thriller. If we put this in our games of the week, we could have talked about this all day. Uh, this went into overtime. LSU played a great game. Alabama had some players that played a decent game, other players who looks like they'd never played basketball before. Uh, we got J.D. Davidson off the bench. Really, really off the bench, but he played the whole game, basically. Uh, he had 12 points on efficient shooting. Not to mention, he put in four assists on a good assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, but after that, I mean, well, Javon Quinterly, 5-13 shooting for 16 points. That's not horrible, but we we've seen we can see worse in this team. Jaden Shackford, 6 points. He made 3 shots. 
He attempted 14 of them, though, and he went 0 of 8 from 3. Come on. Come on. Come on. You got Keon Ellis. Not really expecting much out of him. He went 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3 for 19 points. He had a pretty good game. He led the team in scoring, but uh, didn't do it too efficiently. He also added 9 rebounds, so that's up to him. Chris Bediaco does nothing at this point. He had 5 points in 15 minutes. And uh, Noah Gurley added in 4 points in a starting role. So, Again, I mean, this team just it, their shooting is just so inconsistent. You have games where Jaden Shackelford goes for thirty and they win convincingly, and Javon Quinterly has a good game, and Jay Davidson also does, and you got all the rest of the bench crew stepping up. But then you have games with big three falters, and then you got guys like Keon Ellis leading your team in scoring, which usually doesn't end well. As for LSU, everybody played their role really well. Xavier Pinson didn't necessarily shoot that efficiently but he had eight points and eight assists and when you have eight assists and you have two turnovers that makes life pretty easy considering you had a really really good assist to turnover ratio and if you're feeding the ball to Darius Days all day it makes life pretty easy when you had 24 points and efficient shooting you also had Tari Eason 20 points for 510 shooting you had guys like Brandon Murray stepping up for 17 points on 7 to 14 shooting this team is shot efficiently no no other way to say it they went 35% from three, which is pretty efficient. They had 46% for the field, which is pretty efficient. If you're going to play efficient basketball and not turn the ball over that much, what much more is there to say? This team had a great game, and this is, this is a really good look for this LSU team. So congratulations to them. As for Alabama, if they can just find a shooting machine, that'd be nice. Um, but, yeah, LSU, good game for them. Ethan, we're going to cover our next surprise game. Sure, Oklahoma State wins 52-51 over Texas Tech. Um, yeah, great defense on both sides. Uh, Texas Tech shot 35% and 33-60 and 60 for their shooting splits. Oklahoma State 33%, and 22 and 69%. Reason why I'm mentioning this, Texas Tech made 19 total shots, same with Oklahoma State. Seven of the Texas Techs were threes, five Oklahoma States were. Here's where it counts. Texas Tech shot 10 free throws and made 6. Oklahoma State shot 13. They made 9 of them. This was a truthfully a battle at the free throw line in the whole retrospect of the game. O'Banner had led the entire game of points as 16, shot 4 of 11. And there's no, and then you have Walker and Thompson on the uh, not the Sooners, the Cowboys, with 12 and 11 points each. This Oklahoma State team is playing like they're fighting for a tournament spot, but we know they're not because they can't make it due to sanctions, etc. Yeah, I'm surprised to see a fight out of this team, but um, yeah, they're not. They're not going to the big dance. Yep. One last thing. surprise games. Uh, Ethan, are you guys something? Yeah. One last thing. We didn't have this in our list, but I just remembered watching this late last night. 149 to 144. No, this is not the score of an NBA game. No, that was insane. Baptist beats McNeese State in quadruple overtime with Darius Lee of Houston Baptist having 52 points. I just have to mention that. That's just insane. Did you say quadruple That's a surprise game in itself. But yeah, that, that was. Anyways, that yeah, I I completely forgot that happened. Yeah, that was that was insanity. Um, thank you for that, Ethan. You're welcome. Uh, moving on to our tier list, 
Uh, we're going to blow through this really quickly since it really didn't change much from last week when Ethan went solo on the episode. Congratulations, Ethan. Um, Gonzaga, tier one. We know they had the loss to Sam Aries, but Sam Aries is also ranked. I mean, you're not, that's not the end of the world, especially because Gonzaga also had a really, really tough out of conference schedule. We know what they're about. Uh, and tier two, we had Arizona, Auburn, Duke, Baylor, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Kansas, Purdue, Villanova. Not much changes here. Wisconsin obviously beat Purdue. Purdue's going to stay up here because they lost on the road to Wisconsin. And Arizona played fine. Auburn played fine. Duke played fine. Baylor played fine. Kentucky played fine. Everybody, everybody did their part. So not much change in tier two. As for tier three, Ethan, let's talk about the the elephant in the room. Murray State. Tier well, three. when you go thirty like obviously mid major, we didn't want to put them too high because of the rate of success. We weren't sure what would happen. I feel like once you go undefeated in conference, thirty and two overall record. I feel like it's only fair that you at least put them in Tier 3 here. You won your conference tournament. They got the first auto bid. They beat Moorhead State yesterday. Great game. Murray State is probably going to end up as a 7 or 8 seed. I think higher. I, I want them as a 5 or 6, personally. But I think they're going to be higher. Because they're already ranked right now, and they went undefeated in conference play and conference tournament play. I think they'll be higher, but Let's let's talk about the rest of tier three. What's going on there? Is there change? Is there a lot? Is there no change? What's happening? Not much. I mean, you have Houston, USC, Tennessee, Providence, UCLA, Texas Tech, and Ohio State. Texas Tech maybe could, you could say, move down. Ohio State. I mean, that loss to Nebraska was awful, but they're teetering. They're definitely teetering. They're sure. teetering. I mean, hell, after conference tournament week, anything could happen. We have a yeah, lot sure. going on this week. We have the Big Ten tur- – like, the Big Ten tournament gets over next Sunday. Like, next Sunday night, we're not releasing an episode till after Selection Sunday. Yep. So, as we move into Tier 4, Seen Hall, UConn, Texas, Illinois, Marquette, Oklahoma, Michigan State. Michigan State moves down. So, yeah. Or at least they're, like, teetering. Oklahoma, and- the fact they're still in here is a miracle. I mean, they were just kind of hanging out by a thread, but – Yeah. This program's faltering as it comes to the end of the year, but they're still in Tier 4. Last but not least, we have Tier 5, Creighton, Oregon, Boise State, Colorado State, Alabama, LSU, and Iowa State. LSU has an argument to move up. Alabama has an argument to move down. But in reality, both these teams are still Tier 5 quality teams. Uh, Realistically, do we say no more Iowa State now that I think about it? Because they've, they don't deserve it. They don't. I think we can both agree that they don't. It's your call on this one. I, I would personally I, keep them, but if you want to kick them out, that's that's totally okay with me. I say let's get them out of here. They need to they need to earn their way back. I'm sorry. That's fair. Just, that's they fair. they had their good wins too early, just for them to fall all the way off. Those uh those preseason predictions of them being god awful weren't they're were wrong, but they they weren't they weren't too far off as we come down to the final stretch of the season. Yeah. Uh, but as we see. Tier five has shrank a lot from the beginning of the season, and LSU and Alabama are still here. So, congratulations to them. All right, let's move into our bi-weekly segment. What is going on with the team? But as we have every four weeks, it switches between negatives and positives. Michigan State, Indiana, and Belmont. These teams are negatives. And what is going on with them? I'll start off with Michigan State. This team, in their past six games, has lost a really sad total of five of them lost Ohio state or before that they lost Michigan before that 
they beat Purdue, which was a miracle. And before that, they lost to Iowa. And before that, they lost to Illinois. And before that, they lost to Penn State. I mean, come on. And then before that, they lost. And before that, they beat Indiana. Before that, they lost to Wisconsin and Rutgers. They barely beat Maryland. This team has really fallen off a cliff. At the start of February, they were 13th. And now they are not even being close to ranked. So this team has really just not played well at all. And we don't really know what's going on with them. I mean, their best players are just not putting in work. I mean, Gabe Brown now leads their team in scoring. They only have one player in double-digit scoring. Max Christie averages nine. So does Marcus Hall. Not Marcus Hall. So does Malik Hall. And you got guys like Marcus Bingham Jr. who is less than nine. I mean, this team is just not putting up the offensive protection they need to to win. And as we can see in these games, they're just getting – obviously, they're getting outscored because they're losing, but – this team just can't score at a very efficient or high level. So that's what's going on with this team. And uh, hopefully they can pick it up. Because Tom Izzo is usually a very good tournament coach. They usually find a way to get some wins. But um, it's not looking like it this year. So hopefully they pick it up. But I don't really know what's going on with them. Ethan, what's happening in Indiana? Well, February 12th, you lose to Michigan State. Okay, bounce back. You have Wisconsin. Probably going to lose. You're up. Final minutes of the game, you end up losing. Sad. You lose to Ohio State, your next one. Not the best. You're teetering on that bracket. Then you go on a little run of beating Maryland and Minnesota. Good job. Final two games. Realistically, you need a, you've had so many good wins this year that you just need one win in your next two, which are Rutgers and Purdue. You lose to Rutgers in a heartbreaker, and then you lose to Purdue in a heartbreaker. I'm sorry, Indiana needs to win two games, which I'm pretty sure right now they're projected to be against Michigan and then Wisconsin. Yes, you'll have home court advantage being played in Indianapolis. Congratulations. However, we are going to we're not seeing this team make the tournament anymore. Next up, we will have Belmont Belmont Although they had a phenomenal year. I'm sorry for Belmont. It, losing in the tournament when you're having such good teams, it's it's not going to work. You lose to Morehead State twice, two years in a row. Belmont needs to step it up in their conference tournament success. Because this regular season success, when you're a mid-major, you're not, it's not equating to anything. John? We are going to go into the games of the week. John's cut out, so I'm going to be saying his games of the week predictions. As we got into Illinois, Iowa, I'm obviously going to go Illinois. He's taking Iowa. I'll be at that game later. You got Loyola, Drake. I'm going to have to go Loyola. I mean, they are the favorite. As we move into Cleveland State and Wright State, surprisingly, I'm going to pick against Wright State. I love Scott Nagy. I love this Wright State team. Cleveland State is just so hot right now, I don't even know what's going to happen. As for Wagner and Bryant, I think we both got to go Wagner here. Wagner had such a dominant regular season. They didn't finish it out on the right note. However, Wagner's going to have to win this. And if they win it, they might be able to scrape scrape a 14 seed. Marquette, Creighton. Marquette's been falling off lately. I'm choosing Creighton. John's going Marquette. 
Well, and that's our show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Sorry the predictions didn't have much with them. John cut out, and we're not willing to risk this recording going to crap. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you later this week or next week. Enjoy Champ Week. Make sure you check out our socials at atrmadness at underscore creating madness and creating madness. See y'all later. Thank you for tuning in, and goodbye.